leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, welcome to another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity, where we in <clears throat> where we interview individuals who have broken into the cybersecurity field within the past five years, share their journey, share their tips and tricks, so that others looking to follow in their journey can uh, use that for their inspirement. If you are following us on YouTube. Make sure you hit that subscribe button as well as the notification button down below. That way you get notified. If you are following us on podcasts, share that podcast with anyone that's interested. And for those of you on LinkedIn, continue to follow us every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern live and engage with the conversation. Okay, so today we have Julian Richards, who uh, interestingly comes from being a scripter uh, back I won't say how old he is. He's 25, um, but (laughs) started as a scripter, and then now he's a pen tester. And he has a really uh, interesting journey, and so I wanted to take the time to go through, have a chat with Julian, and uh, see what sort of tips and tricks we can get for you guys and girls. (laughs) Uh, Julian, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, My name is Julian. I'm uh, here in Atlantic Canada. Uh, my time zone does not exist in the U.S., so that's a little bit of an interesting tidbit. Um, I'm east of Maine, basically. Uh, so, yeah, when we talk about scripting, we talk about uh, cold fusion back in 1998, way back when. Um, so that's why I call myself a scripter, because cold fusion at the time, was, it was not development. Um, so, yeah, so I've been uh, in the IT industry for 25 years or so and uh, always been interested in security. So um, here I Really happy for Chris to invite me over to his uh, to his podcast. And one thing I just want to mention is if you hear snoring, I've got a big dog behind me. It's not me. It's the dog. Funny thing is, just as you said that, I heard my dog behind me snoring <laughs> as well. And hopefully the noise canceling takes all that out. But um, let, let, let's talk about your, your cold fusion days. What got you interested um, um, in, in scripting? So... Um, I grew up in a household where we always had a computer, um, you know, when, when that was not normal. 
uh, no internet at the time or anything like that. And I was always interested in computers. So I was either going to be uh, working in the environmental field or working in computers. And computers to me was more interesting. Uh, I went to community college. I didn't go to college. I went to community college, uh, took a, a two-year kind of uh, development course and my first job i landed was building small little web apps uh like i said back in 98 using cold fusion um so it was kind of a, the first first job out of college right nice nice so what do you do what did you do to prepare for y2k i mean that, that was like the worst thing out back then right <laughs> you know what i wasn't I, I wasn't experienced enough to really uh get into the the y2k stuff uh but i remember a lot of people behind me uh or or around me saying like you could make so much money with the y2k stuff you know you're, you're gonna be millionaire and i i never even touched anything i remember uh just waking up on january 1st looking at the clock and going like hey the world didn't fall apart that's awesome you did a good job so, so let's uh, continue along in your journey. Where do you go from Scripter? Um, so I got pretty bored with developer development, mostly because I wasn't good at it. And uh, <laughs> um, I, um, you know, I, I got into networking after after a couple of years, uh, mostly because I wanted to play games with my buddies, right? And we didn't have the internet to play games over, so we would, uh, you know, just network a bunch of computers together, and and that was interesting to me, and that really caught my attention. So. Uh, being focused on that, I started looking for some networking jobs and I uh, ended up uh, working as a networking man. I mean, in small companies, if if you're the IT guy, you're the IT guy. You're not just doing networking, right? So you're doing IT, you're doing system admin, you're doing, you're touching a little bit of everything, uh, you know, man managing some mail servers, some DNS servers, stuff like that. So what I didn't know at the time was I was building all those blocks that I needed to be in security because I was touching a lot of different systems. I was touching a lot of different technology. Um, so it was, I, at the time I didn't know what I was actually doing exactly what I needed to do to, to do what I do today. <laughs> yeah. And so you, you got experience to all these different areas and how did that change? Like what, what got you interested in cybersecurity and how, how did you get from doing uh, network admin, over to coming in um, and growing to become a pen tester? Because I, I know that's the, the route everyone wants. How do I get to become a pen tester? Yeah, so um, if we go back even even before my first job, um, you know, we're playing around in in in, uh, in IRC channels or during that time around 96, 98, you know, the internet was coming into play, um, playing in the IRC channels and, and just chatting with people and seeing all the, the wars that were going on between all these hackers and rooms and, you know, all that scene. I was way too afraid of authority to actually do any of that stuff. So I always had it in the back of my mind. You know, I, I remember reading all the readmes and learning all the how to do these things. But at the time, there's no safe legal places to actually uh, test your chops. Right. Um, I, I didn't have the skills to build my own lab. You know, virtual machines that didn't exist at the time didn't have the skills or money. Um, so that was always in the back of my mind. So anytime I was working on systems, I knew how people would be able to subvert all these controls that we have in place. Uh, so security was always in the back of my mind. Interesting. And so walk us through your, your career progression. Um, and we, we could talk about the ski patrol in a bit. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, so yeah, from, from system admin, network admin, you know, I, I've done, I've worked at a whole bunch of different companies trying to find my spot. And I, I just had a hard time finding that spot until I started working for a company that did a lot of financial, um, transactions. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
it was right at the time when PCI started to be really on everybody's radar. And uh, of course, doing financial transactions, PCI became something that was extremely important. So with a mindset and security, of course, you know, I volunteered to help out with the PCI DSS um, uh, stuff. And lo and behold, one part of PCI DSS is pen testing. So here I am remembering all these cool hacking tricks that I learned in the past and all this stuff and, and being able to actually apply it in a live environment and make money doing it. Of yeah. course I volunteered to do that <laughs> and, and having that, that, that knowledge already and that interest uh, we somehow uh, convinced the PCI auditor that I was an external person. I wasn't really, I was a third party doing the pen test, but um, so that was my first real uh, taste of it. I listen, I, I, I think back about probably all the things that I missed <laughs> and you know, that report there, there, there was nothing in it. I didn't, I couldn't find anything, you know, but it was my first real you know, running scans and looking at mm -hmm. stuff and looking at services. So that really picked my, uh, um, that, that, that really made me happy. And, and from there, you know, it was, it was a passion. Um, it wasn't work. It was, it was fun. And, uh, how did you grow your skills? I mean, the 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 difference in technology from 1998 to even 2015 is dramatic and then 2015 on like it, it even it, it goes so fast like how do you keep up how do you learn new skills what do you do for that so that's the beauty of today where we have all these spaces that we can play in now we have these free resources online or or, or in, inexpensive uh, sources that you can use i mean we all we all know those places uh, i'm i'm not going to name them here but if if you want if if you want to follow cybersecurity and and, and uh, anybody can contact me and we, we can chat about these things more in, in specifics, but there's a lot of legal safe places to go out online and test stuff. Uh, I'm always reading books. I'm always watching webinars. I'm always playing CTFs all over the place. Um, it, it's something that, you know, I work 40, 50 hours a week, sometimes more. And on the weekends, I'll just play around with some new techniques. Uh, so I'm always learning and it's something, you know, it, it's not because I need to, it's because it's what it's interesting to me. Like I'd rather do that than watch TV sometimes. Though I do watch TV also. <laughs> so um, is there a, a specific area that you specialize in? Because I know everyone always asks me, like, I want to get in cyber. I want to get in pen testing. And I go, where? Like, do you want to do networks? Do you want to do web apps? Do you want to do infrastructure? Do you want to do cloud? Like all these different domains, like do you have a, a specialization or are you more of a generalist? Uh, I'm, I'm quite the generalist uh, simply because after doing that PCI gig uh, with that company, uh, I ended up uh, getting into consulting and in consulting, you, 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 you take whatever the salespeople can sell, right? So they, they'll throw anything at you. I've tested everything from, you know, a small mom and pop shop with about five computers to police tasers to uh, laptops and police cars to, you know, uh, a set of POS devices across Canada uh, and national stores and testing their POS devices. So um, you get to touch a little bit of everything and you need to kind of become a generalist. A lot of times I'll see what's coming up uh, or as when I was a consultant, I would see the projects that are coming up and I would kind of focus my, uh, weekend studies and books that I was reading or whatever else on, on the technology that I was going to be testing. Now, mm -hmm. one great story, at one point I was playing a little CTF and one of the programs that I was testing, um, I noticed that it was going to be my pen test for the next week. So I was actually testing the actual 
web application, doing a CTF on that web application that the next week's pen test was going to be on um, within six hours. You know, I was in because <laughs> I knew exactly <laughs> where the bugs were. Nice, nice. Yeah. I, and so for, for those coming in, like um, I know bug, bug bounties and things like that weren't available. Oh, back in the day, is that something that you do for fun or you do it all? Or do you recommend folks uh, start out there? Like, what are your thoughts for those coming behind you? Yeah, definitely. Um, that, that's a good question, right? Because everybody's path is completely different. Um, I haven't dabbled in in a lot of bug bounty. Uh, sorry, in a, a lot of bug bounty projects. Um, I Basically, because I was a consultant and, you know, people that hire you to do pen testing, or even these bug bounty projects, uh, they're they're so far along in their security that you're not going to find those fun, juicy, uh, big bugs, right? They've already been caught uh, because most of the time when you run a bug bounty project, you you do have an internal pen test. Um, the company will actually go in and do an external pen test, and then they open it up to the bug bounty to catch all the rest of the stuff. So it's 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 harder to to find those fun bugs. Uh, and as we a hope. consultant. Yeah, as a consultant, I was doing a lot of that. So you you get shut down quite a bit and it, it kind of hits your ego, right? <laughs> so mm -hmm. if when you go in and you you have a, a known vulnerable machine that you can attack on the weekends to play around with, then you can actually run those exploits and you can find those things. Um, so for me, um, you know, now that I'm doing a lot less consulting, bug bounty projects are, are starting to become interesting to me again. Let's talk about the dark side of um, doing pen testing, the reporting. Um, we're, <laughs> I, I don't, I think, I hate to overshadow it, but it, it's not covered a lot. Like people don't talk about the amount of paperwork that you have to generate um, after one of those tests. Um, how, how much do you generate on average, like for any given project? Um, it's just a, a pretty normal pen test. Now, now, one thing to consider is that, yeah, the report is pretty long. It's going to be 30 to 50 pages, let's say. Uh, a lot of that get, starts to get pretty cookie cutter up to a certain point because the methodology mm -hmm. is always the same. And of course, the company or the auditors want to see that you're following actual methodologies. So, you know, that's three, four pages right there. Uh, your conclusion, it, you kind of use the same wording around it and everything else. So the 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 the, the template is there, but yeah, it, mm -hmm. it's a lot of work. It, it, it actually is. Uh, there are some great projects out there to automate some of it. Um, but at the end of the day, you still have to get your hands on the keyboard and actually write stuff. And uh, it's, it's funny you say that because uh, I have a presentation that I give and, and one of the, one of the, uh, the slides is the report. And the first thing on the slide says the dreaded question, when is the report coming in? Right. <laughs> You've done all the fun stuff at that point. <laughs> and, and like, the, the other side of that is you have a report, you have potentially a, a CISO or a CEO that's looking to read this. How do you drill down maybe the 50 things that you found into like the three or four things that they really need to work on? Because those are like the big, the big juicy parts and then like prioritize the rest. Yeah, absolutely. So there's three people that are going to be reading your report, right? Like you said, the CISO, you have an executive summary, you are saying, you know, we found six criticals. Well, no, probably not six critical at this point, but two, two, three criticals, a couple highs, and then 14 lows, right? Uh, severity issues. Um, most of the time, I'll say, um, you know, I was able to exploit some of these criticals because some of the critical stuff that you found on there, 
Um, I only have five to 10 days on a pen test. So I might not be able to, to, to have all the time that a black hat hacker might have. So uh, I'm, I'm really going to focus on the stuff that I was able to exploit. I'm not going to ignore the stuff that I wasn't able to exploit, but I'm going to really focus on the stuff that I'm, I was able to exploit and show the impact in a business language, right? Not saying, you know, I was able to uh, change your, uh, your algorithm on your, on your, on your JSON web token. CISO doesn't care. You know, I was able to log into your application without a username or password. Boom. You know, that's bad. He knows it's bad and or he or she knows it's bad. Um, so you really show the impact, right? Mm-hmm. This is um, uh, people can get to your confidential information. People can get to the private information that's stored in your systems. Um, so that, that's a bit how you you talk to the CISO. Now, the other people that are going to be reading it is the managers, they want to know. They, they want to know how much time is it going to take to fix all of this. And then, you know, you you give them a list, a high level list of all the findings, and then you got to drill down into the actual details because the people that are going to be fixing it want to know step by step what you were able to do. Um, so you need to cater that report to all those people. And, and and then as you think about the impact, how do you consider things like uh, compensating controls within the environment uh, to to really differentiate like yeah, this is a really high vulnerability for a CVE rating, but because your environment did all these things, it breaks down to a medium considering all your compensating controls. Do you go into that level uh, to really drill it down for them? Sure. I mean, that's the difference. That's a little bit of a difference between a pen test and a red team engagement. A pen test, a lot of times I'll ask them, hey, listen, I want to test your web app. I don't want to test your WAF. I want to test your web app. So I'll find... um, you know, critical findings inside of the web app and then say, okay, turn on the WAF. The WAF is a compensated control and I can't do anything with what I've found internally. So you got to frame it in that sense. Um, but at the same time, we all know that there are always some bypasses for that WAF. There are ways to bypass that WAF. So you want to know if there's a vulnerability inside of the web application itself. Um, so yeah, controls are important. You got to frame that into it. But one of the one of the um, disclaimers that I put in is that listen, I'm I'm looking at only technology. I'm not looking at people. I'm not looking at your processes. I'm not looking at your procedures. I'm looking only at your technology. So most of the time, when I was a consultant, I would try to you know upsell a risk assessment or something like that to look at policies and people. <laughs> And I don't want to use the word upsell because honestly, it, it is something that's important, right? You, 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 you can't only look at tech. You can, you need to look at policy and people also. Absolutely. I, I, I say like I summarize my career as I'm, I'm the translator between people and process with a fu- fundamental understanding of the tech. And I bring someone like you in to like help translate the tech and I'll help talk to the business. But, um, you mentioned something that people are often confused, the difference between a pen test and a red team engagement. Um, what, what's your definition of that? So for me, a red team engagement is really you're, you're testing the uh, defense mechanism of the company. So you go in, nobody knows you're coming in and uh, you're trying to not to get caught. And you're trying to show that, hey, somebody can actually go in and get to your crown jewels, whether it's health information, financial information, you know, uh, intellectual property, but you know what the crown jewels are, you know what you're going after and you try to get there in any way possible without getting caught. To me, that's a red team engagement. Uh, pen test is looking for vulnerabilities inside of your system and looking to see if you can exploit it. 
So I'm not, I'm not trying to be quiet. You know, I'm going to be running that scan as fast as I can because I only have a few days and, and I don't care if you catch me or not, though a lot of times I'll go see the, the, I'll go see the blue team, which is the uh, the defensive defense people, and say, "Did you see me?" Because if you didn't see me, then you have a problem. You know, <laughs> I was not trying to be quiet at all. <laughs> and, that, that, that's and interesting that you mentioned that. Uh, so a pen test engagement, you'll have a list of all the vulnerabilities and and see how far you can get. With a red team engagement, you're focusing in on one thing, and there might be twenty ways to get there. You're not showing mm-hmm. how to get there. The windows twenty ways. You're just trying to show I can get there. Okay, uh, that that's that. Well, you, you you mentioned an interesting thing there um, with talking to the blue team and making sure that they see you. Um, uh, purple team engagements are now becoming the new the new in thing because it's it's one thing to say yeah I broke in and hand over the report to someone else and they go okay well what do I do with this like I don't know how to tune it I I don't know how to see you like. But now sitting down with them and going, okay, this is what I'm doing. If you don't see this, try this, turn this on, uh, configure the script. That way you can work together and, and truly um, help the organization mature from a, a security perspective rather than going, oh, here are the 10 things that you're vulnerable on. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, though, um it need, you need to have somebody that that is uh, very knowledgeable in the defense side of things also to be able to do that. Some approaches that I've seen, which I like, is I'll take notes and say, okay, at uh, 9 p.m. on Monday morning, I started my NMAP scan. Uh, it went on until uh, 9.20 so that I can give that log to the people and then they go can go and see in their tools if they actually saw what I was doing. Uh, I like that approach. Um but yeah, like I said, most most companies that actually have the money to pay for somebody to come in and do a pen test engagement, they probably have enough money invested in their security that um, they have people there that can sit down with you and understand what's going on. So you you either need a, an attacker that knows defense or a defense person inside of the company that that sees and understands what you're doing and, and understanding what they're trying to see. Um, it's I, I like the approach. I like it a lot. Okay. Um, let's talk about like some of your career progression. I mean, really going from a developer and then consulting, um, how, how did you figure out that you wanted to really specialize in patent testing? Was it just that first PCI assessment that was like, this is where my heart is? Or um, after trying a little bit of everything, uh, you decided to focus on pen testing? Yeah, it, it took me a while to find it. Uh, but I think I, I knew at, at the back of my mind that that's really something that I wanted to do, but uh, didn't really understand how to get there. Um, like I said, you know, being a kid in IRC channel and seeing all these people that that were doing all these cool things, you know, crashing other people's servers and taking over stuff and whatnot, like that that was cool to me. Uh, but I, I never saw a path uh, to it. And, and when it showed up, it's almost like, you know, Moses at the Red Sea. It's like, wow, now I see how it can get here. Uh, that That was more of the effect that it had on me. Um, and, and I like how you say developer, because I'm going to say developer again. Like I, <laughs> I will never put that as something that I was. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Like, so again, like I said, there are some legal places today to practice those skills and you can build a lab pretty cheaply now and, and uh, a lot of resources. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned like the, the, the C 
parted like how is that r regarding like applying for roles in Canada? We, we, we don't get too many uh, Canadian guests, but we just happened to have uh, Gabriella B uh, last week that actually came from France to Canada for her role um, and shared her story of an actress to a pen test as well. Um, so what's the Canadian job market like? I mean, if you've worked at a consultant that probably has um, U.S businesses like how do you see the job market being potentially different in Canada uh, I, I think it's getting pretty uh, homogenous around everywhere where you go now like I you know I, I, I try to keep my hand my eyes on the industry and, and what's going on uh, there's a lot of roles available for cybersecurity people and there's a lot of people applying for jobs yet the roles are not getting filled and people are still looking for jobs in cybersecurity. So I, I think if, if you follow a little bit on uh, cybersecurity on LinkedIn, you'll see that there's a lot of talk around that. Um, around here, there's definitely a lot of people looking for good pen testers. Um, me personally, uh, I was lucky. Um, and, you know, we, we say hard work, perseverance, uh, you know, knowledge, all these things, but you have to have a little bit of luck also. Uh, ended up meeting the right person. Uh, that person offered me a role right away with very little pen testing experience. I don't know if they were desperate or what, but um, but I got in there and, and showed what I could do. Right um, to mm -hmm. me, it's my first engagement was amazing. Uh, discovered a whole lot of stuff. I, I actually knew what I was what I was doing as opposed to attacking that PCI system at the time. And mm -hmm. uh, I just grew from there, you know, uh, a couple months later, I had my OSCP, uh, started looking as a consultant, of course, uh, certs are king, right? So uh, mm -hmm. just added a whole bunch of of, um, of certs and ended up, you know, there's always the imposter syndrome, but at some point I kind of gained confidence thinking like, yeah, I, there's a, there's people that are way better than me at this, but I think I'm here now. I think I know what I'm doing. You know, and that that was I'm sure for a lot of people that that's the, the trigger, right? At some point you go like, you know what? I, I kind of know what I'm doing now. <laughs> I love that you mentioned that imposter syndrome, because I, I think all too often um, those struggling with getting a role, um, not getting the callbacks, that imposter syndrome kicks in. Like, am I really good enough? Is, is this the right industry for me? And. I would say from my own experience, definitely continue to pursue, pursue through it, but figure out like, what is it that parts the Red Sea for you? Um, like which goal really lights you up? Because once you find that role that lights you up, you become passionate and confident and that shines through like nothing else in an interview. Um, a candidate that walks in and you're like, I, I own myself and like, you want to hire me? Great. You don't want to hire me? Cool. I'll go talk to someone else. Like that confidence is really great. Um, so it, you, you mentioned that you got your OSCP. Um, many have said that's like one of the top challenges for pen testers in the industry. What was your OSCP path like? Um, three months of hard work, three months of studying. Um, but um, it is, see, it's funny you say that because I talk to a lot of people in the industry that once they're in the industry, they, they, they do this, this work for a long time. They go like, no, it's an entry, entry level cert. Um, so, you know, you, you get somebody saying like, that's the hardest thing I've ever done. And then you have people saying, no, no, that's entry level. That's the minimum you should know if you want to be a pen tester. Uh, I think both can be true. 
because pen testing and, and red teaming and, and doing this type of work is, is something that is, it can be very complicated, right? Um, so what is an entry level cert in a company, in a, in a field that is really complicated is going to be a hard cert to get, right? Um, you know, I, I have friends that have their OSWE, I have friends that are, have their OSCE, and I consider those like way above and, and, and way harder to, to, to get. But is it harder than a network plus? Absolutely. You know, I think it has a reputation and it's well earned. It's hard to, to get. But at some point, um, if you want to work for a company that does very, very high level uh, pen testing work, then I want to agree that it is also an entry level. It, it's the basic of what you should know. Um, I was I was lucky, you know, I, I somebody took a chance on me and there's no way I, I had the skills to pass the OSCP when I first started doing pen testing. Yeah. And and that's why like I, I like to to tell those looking to break in, looking to to uh, go down the pen testing route, that like that's not an entry level cert. Like you have to have a fair amount of skills to get there. Um, one of the a couple of the cool things that you mentioned, um, and you just kind of flew by uh, that you did pen tests for like police cars. Like, what sort of interesting pen tests have, have you done throughout your career? If you can, if you can share. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to name clients, right? But um, yeah. I think the taser was a lot of fun because anytime a taser fires, it sends logs out to a server somewhere. So, um, you know, walking in, doing the doing the the, the background checks and everything else to ha actually have it. And the whole email chain was, okay, well, uh, your handler, because I needed to have a handler, is going to be there on Monday. Can you make it? I couldn't make it on Monday. Finally, Tuesday. Finally, I walk in. The handler basically said, there's a taser. There's a boardroom. Do what you want left the room and left me alone with the taser. So I'm looking at this thing going like, is this live? Are we going to shoot myself? Um, there's another great story. I, I worked with, um, uh, and it wasn't me, but there's, there's also a, a, you know, social engineering is pretty big in pen testing also. And, and I worked with, uh, with an individual and I hope he's listening because such a great guy. Uh, he, um, he got the, I gave him the job basically to try to break into a building. Um, while people were there during the work day to just see what, if he could get to the network cabinets and plug something in or whatever it was. So he got prepared. He prepared a work order, everything. Billy said he was a, he, he pretended to be an electrician to show up. And uh, as soon as he gets into the door, the electricity goes out. It was a planned outage. He didn't know. He didn't know. As soon as he got in the door, I swear to God, it was like on the second like the, the, the right minute as he walks in the electricity, he had the run of the place. He had his ladder with him. He was up in the ceiling. They gave him the Wi-Fi code. They gave him a place to sit down. <laughs> That's one of my favorite stories. I mean, coincidence, nice. right? <laughs> nice, nice. Um, wow, that, that, that's, that's a great story to hear. And it looks like you, you have a, a commenter on YouTube, Missy Pie TV, uh, that they have six years of physical pen testing experience, awesome. uh, good times. Um, yeah, that's definitely a great story. Um, well, we're getting to the, 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 the bottom of the hour, and I like to finish off all my sessions with, if you had to summarize your, your time here into one piece of sage advice for someone looking to follow in your footsteps, what would that be? Sure. Uh, network. Uh, all the opportunities that I've had in the past was not burning bridges with people that I've had issues with in the past for jobs or whatever else and networking, meeting people, 
and, and when I say networking, I don't mean add 500 or 1,000 people to your LinkedIn list. I mean, talk to people. If it doesn't click, it doesn't click, let it go. Find somebody that it clicks with, somebody that has a, you, you build a real connection with, um, and, and it grows from there. Uh, I, I've had all the opportunities that I've had was people taking chances on me because I reached out and we chatted and we sat down with coffee. Perfect. Well, I love that because I'm also a big promoter of that. Um, go out, meet people, share experiences. We need that diverse um, set of thought, background, experience so that we can solve those complex problems of today and tomorrow. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us. Um, if you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and the notification button. If you're following us on podcasts, um, subscribe and share with friends. We want lots of people listening. And then if you're on LinkedIn, connect with Julian and I. If you have questions, happy to answer. And thank you all very much for joining us today. Thank you, Chris. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.